Well, here's a podcast for you coming to you in lockdown. We've been on lockdown for four days and I've decided to drop the man, Adam Fogarty, a line uh, to speak to me for 45, 50 minutes. Adam Fogarty is a former boxer of 18 pro fights, a former rugby league player playing for Halifax and St. Helens, now currently an actor, an actor who has been in some big, big films most famously known as Mouse from Mean Machine and Gorgeous George in Snatch. The bloke has had a fight with Brad Pitt on screen. Who else has ever ever done that? I don't know, but we spoke to him. We got the chance to speak to him um, and caught him in his busy times because everyone is sat around in lockdown, not doing much. The guy has got some great, great stories from the acting world, what it's like to peel back the curtain. And we talk a bit about the transition from rugby league into acting, how that happened. And he said, sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good. Some of the stuff he's learned from Tom Hardy. We talk about his trips to LA with Vinnie Jones. And I got a chance to share my acting experience and ask him for the next steps for my hobby in acting after getting the bug not so long ago. Enjoy the pod. We'll just, we'll just start whatever, we'll just crack on yeah, the conversation. We had a bit of a chat yesterday um, and, I, and I enjoyed it. I sort of scraped the surface for me, mate, but um, just really intrigued for, I mean, I wouldn't know where to start. You've been a boxer. Um, I think it's about, is it about 18 fights? I don't know. That, 19. I think 19, 19 fights. 118. 118. Boom. Good record. Are we recording now? Are we, are we on the... Uh, yeah. Are we going, are we? Yeah, it's recording, mate. I'll cut it whenever we... Listen, in this acting game, they normally say action, Stevie. You know, to give, yeah. to give a warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm used to that. I'm used to that. Oh, oh um, roll them. Roll yeah. them. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Action. Action. We'll Good go on. from here. Okay. Good Take to have two. you on. Good to have you on, Foggy. Yeah, yeah great to speak to you, pal. It's good to have you here, mate. As I was saying, uh, I'm really interested, mate, for this conversation. I'm intrigued in in what you've got to say. I um, I've caught the bug, as you said yesterday on our brief phone conversation that we had that scraped the surface, mate. Um, but like that's I, it. You're knackered, like I said yesterday. Now, Steve, yeah. <laughs> I've jo- I've joined the crew, Anna. I've joined the crew. Yeah, you're a part of the team. It's yeah. either Hollywood now or, I know. or keep dreaming of it. <laughs> just it's, a, it's either get there or just keep trying to get there, innit? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But it still keeps the dream alive, mate, which is the best thing. You know, like yeah. I said yesterday, when you when your eventually your rugby career does come to an end, it's still nice to have that bit of escapism and uh, being a part of a team and something you enjoy doing, pal, which is yeah. You know, I think when they talk about depression these days, I think half of the depression is when your career comes to an end, you miss your mates and the yeah. crack and having somewhere to go. And it's yeah. like someone takes the magic keys to the members club off you and uh, mm. you're still, the history is still a part of it. But, you know, it's like not being in first team. You never feel a part of it unless you're in that's first it. team, do you? That's it. That's it, mate. And there's so many different ways to, you know, to be in and out of the first team. I've I've had a few, you know, I've, I've you know, started my career some 2014, I was like just on the edge, getting not getting picked and stuff after a bit of success, but obviously some injuries and you you get sort of around the skirts of it, but you want to be in the midst of it, you want to be in the middle of it. But I guess like when you finish playing, um, the, even the opportunity to try 
is taken away from me and you're taken away from the social aspect, you're taken away from the, the community a bit. And um, I was speaking to someone, um, and it is a stat, that stat from, from him, um, that, that for, for former players, ex-players, about 80% of them will sort of struggle or will suffer with some sort of, you know, mental struggle or something that they need to get right, you know, whether it is the depression or the anxiety and stuff. So it is, like you say, you know, those sort of things come into a checklist, I guess, you know, for what for what you're saying. You've got the team that you go on to to meet these these brilliant different teams, you know, in your acting scenarios and and behind the behind the scenes on the set. Um, but that's that's yeah. what's, that's what we're gonna need, mate. You know, like I said yesterday to you, Steve, it's like being able to play Cowboys and Indians when you, I'm 51 now. Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> I can still play Cowboys and Indians and not get locked up for it. Yeah, you know, people <laughs> yeah. people accept it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's this is. I remember talking to Paul Wood. You'll probably know Paul Wood. Yes, I, I remember going over when I first started with Mentality. I remember going over there and um, and and doing an interview with him. And it was the first time I ever met him. I played against him a few times, but he said, you know. You've got to be a little bit mad to play rugby league because if you think about it, in the scenario rugby league is for 80 minutes you're going on to a field and your intentions, you know, if you if you're in a big game, for instance, are to hurt the other team, hurt the other um, players, especially the opposite number. Um, you know, in that 80 minute window, as long as you're not doing all mad, probably a little bit more mad when you were playing for compared to what it is now. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I watched an old game yesterday and yeah. wow you know, I think one player cracked uh, another player referee just split up and said <laughs> yeah. get back 10 penalty that, yeah. you know that would end of it play on think, wow yeah. it's mad <laughs> it's a bit different yeah. it's mad I, I, um, we just, I'd just done um, we've just done a podcast with Baz Barry Mack uh, yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks back uh, well we released it a couple of weeks back I did it a while ago um, and we've put like a trailer out and, and he's we've put a clip of him going to get Fielden literally just going yeah, to get Fielden yeah. elbow up there as soon as Fielden's looked at him and reacted his Baz has just gone straight in it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no sort of there's no sort <laughs> the of, good old days yeah 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 so <laughs> you I, know I always take my hat off to Baz and that you know because I mean obviously he was a great player yeah and uh, a tough player and you know obviously he carried uh what would you call it obviously with his eye missing yeah. you know doing it with one eye mm. at international level I had two good eyes and couldn't get picked for international like you know so yeah, no. I've always been a big fan of Baz yeah. and we come, both come from Oldham so uh, ah, a bit of history yeah. there but uh, yeah. yeah they were uh, and I think you know we, we were both sort of in that era where we went from being sort of part-time to full-time you know going from yeah. into Super League when Super League came on but yeah they just there were all sorts of punch-ups in them days weren't yeah. they just someone might get out of bed the wrong side and, <laughs> yeah and it's I like think, and this is this is what we're saying it's like you know for, for you now it's a similar sort of workspace not that, that you're going on having brawls in, in, it's, it actually in, in your in your case when you're fighting Brad Pitt it is similar I know it's not going to be proper but um you know, you're going into this workspace where it's completely away from from normal sort of reality, society, everyday stuff that's going on. You get to go and, in your case, pretend to be someone, go and uh, have a Scott my Brad Pitt, but in case of a rugby player in your past as well, go on and sometimes have a scrap, have a bash up and... and it is. It is a. It's a funny environment because obviously it's it's all rehearsed and uh, yeah. 
you know, the, uh, <laughs> you know when the fight's happening. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they paint the bruises on as well, which is handy. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, I just keep losing them. I don't think I've ever won one on screen. <laughs> have you not? Well, you, no. that one with Brad Pitt. The one with Brad no, Pitt, you were going to, weren't you? But he, Brad he got Pitt, you in I were winning on points with Brad Pitt, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it went wrong. But before before that, I'd been knocked out by Sam Dingle. Oh, so really? Brad Pitt were a big improvement from his street cred. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what, what were that? It's what what was that like? Funny. What was that like? Sorry, mate. The choreo- choreography. Well, I'm not going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing, I had to go and meet Brad Pitt yeah. to uh, to do the choreography, and he was staying at one of Sting's houses, a nice house in London, and uh, right. it was a nice day. Yeah. They picked me yeah. up in this nice car and chauffeur-driven car, and I get to the front door of this house. And I knocked on the door expecting a security, you know, bodyguard or something to open it. And Brad Pitt opened it. And he looked at me and said, you must be gorgeous. You know, because gorgeous, gorgeous. And I said, yeah. I said, I am. Well, I said, you're Mickey, obviously, you know. And, uh, he said, come in, mate. Do you want a cup of tea? And, you know, we went into the back garden and the, he introduced me to the stunt coordinator. Who, funny enough, I'd already just worked with. All right. And, well. uh we went through the uh, the fight scene and the stunt director said to me, right, listen, he said, on the day, he said, Brad will be on all fours, you'll come in, pick him up under his armpit with one hand and pick him up on the inside of his leg by a, a strap that we're going to uh, stick on and you'll uh, it'll look on the camera like you've got him by the throat and by the privates, you know. So he said, uh, action. So I went down and Brad was in the back garden, obviously on all fours and, I grabbed hold of this handle that they'd taped on to inside of his leg or strapped onto inside of his leg and under armpit. And I went to pick him up, but I didn't realise, like, he had this shiny all-in-one sort of shell suit, sort of track suit. And my hand just slipped straight off this strap and I straight had him by boolers within about <laughs> 15 minutes of knowing him. You've nice never seen anyone, Steve, move as fast in your life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, luckily I didn't get the sack in here. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there's there's quite a bit. I mean, when you're watching it, obviously you know you know know that it looks it looks it looks really looks legit. But I, I imagine those steps come in, and I like how how you've you've gone to meet Brad Pitt there, and it's a bit more casual. And and uh, is that something that Guy Ritchie had, had like allowed and said, you know, get together to to organize well, that scene? And... I think it just worked out. You know, obviously, well for Brad, he didn't have to go anywhere that morning, and they, they sent a car to pick me up, so I were over at Moon. And uh, you know, I think it would just—you step into that world. You know, I mean, Brad Pitt were a great down to earth bloke because he didn't make it till he was twenty-eight year old, Stevie, or something like that. I think that's when he did Thelma and Louise, what sort of launched his career. And up, and up until then, he'd been doing all kinds of jobs in Hollywood, you know, driving strippers about, I think, were one of them. And, you know, so he'd had, it was grounded. And I think he knew, well, you know, it hadn't gone to his head. So it was just like being one at lads, you know, which, you know, he was... And there's no reason for them not to be happy. I mean, they get looked after, obviously. They're not, they're not roughing it. And, uh, but... I've been lucky, I think, in my career that I haven't ever worked with anyone really that I've found hard work. You know, I mean, it's not like you're living in the pockets. You go and you do your job, you, you go home. You know, it's. I think the outside world think you're out partying every night with them and, uh, you know, you, you, you're the best mates. But uh, 
you do become friends and that's what I think I liked about it like you know when I finished rugby it's like stepping back into that environment for a month or two months where you're, you're all best of mates and you have a crack and then go back to your normal carry on and you've still, you've still got that finished product as well haven't you with the film like as, as you would as a playing a season you've got obviously the games the yeah. Super League and stuff and hopefully the grand final that's it. And you still got that little dream of is this going to be the one that gets you your next big part, you know? And and you've got the premiere to look forward to actually seeing it. And I think that was another thing I like about the film game. I think you sort of, in a way, you you live forever in a in a sense that you know maybe a hundred years time someone might put that film on snatch somewhere. And, you know, you're still there in a way, you know. You're still yeah, you're locked so, into history, aren't you, with that? Yeah, in a little way. What what was what was because um, I want to ask you about that, like you say, like the, the sort of people's perception is when you're in the big films, you know, you're out partying, you're drinking and stuff, and um, and I guess in one aspect you've sort of stayed grounded and you've you've not adopted that that sort of lifestyle. But what was the what was the transition from playing rugby to acting? You know, was the experiments while you was playing? Um, and and did you end up retiring to you know make the make the call? And... I uh, the retirement came for me. I knew I'd had. A, I think you know I'd lost interest in a way. I'd been injured, and you know at St Helens I, I came back and had another year with them. But then I, uh, you know, I was a free agent, so they didn't renew my contract. And I went and had the start of the season really at Warrington. I played about three games for Warrington, four games. I realised I'd. I'd Something changed in me. I weren't as excited about it, you know. So I decided it was time to call it a day. Uh, but going into the acting game, I mean, it's a big business, you know. Sure, that's why I call it show business, I suppose. Like, you know, it's a, there's a lot of money involved. They, they want you to be professional, and obviously you want to be professional because you want to do the best job you can, and uh, you want more work, you know what I mean, sort of thing. So it's not a case of... Uh, I don't know what, you know, it's not a case like, say, you're not out every night, you know, you, the days are long days and, uh, you know, you're not grafting hard. It's, I mean, if, it's that old saying, if you love doing what you do and you never work a day, but, uh, you know, they are long days. The crews have families that they want to go home to or, you know, they want to get the job done as quick and professional as they can. So, no, it's not a laughing, it's not a, you know, it's not sort of what they call it, the Blues Brothers, what Dan Aykroyd and uh, the other fella, the a big drinker and a rebel raiser, weren't he party animal? I think, them days, I think them days are sort of gone in yeah. the film game where, yeah. you know. But I enjoy it. It's like I said, it's like being able to play cowboys and Indians, you know, when you're old and you never know when your next call's going to come through. And I once laid on my settee and... Uh, I moved to Spain for four years when I finished playing rugby. And me and the wife had his first kid out there, like, you know, but I was laid on the settee watching telly one night and uh, the phone went and it was Vinnie Jones. He said, Mouse, they nicknamed me Mouse after the meme machine character yeah. I played. Yeah. I've got someone here who wants to speak to you. And I said, who is it? And he said, Steven Seagal. I said, oh, what, you know. And so all of a sudden this voice came on, hey, Mouse. <laughs> Hello? He said, uh, I want you to come over here. Well, he actually said he's sleeping with any good-looking women. And my <laughs> wife, my wife, were on the other settee, and I looked at her. And I said, well, I'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
you know, so I want you to come over here to Bulgaria and be in this film. So within like two days, I were on a plane to Bulgaria. But That's class, so you, you know, you just never know where your next job's going to come from. Or Vinny had put me forward for that, you know, and yeah. which is another thing I like That's about cool. it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and so that that was after Me Machine came after a few films he'd done, didn't it? That's that's sort of like a is that in like the midway through? It was after sort of snatch. Of, yeah, Matthew Vaughan, who was the right. producer of Snatch and Lockstock, he uh, he produced nice. Me Machine with Vinny, obviously the old Burt Reynolds film. So, uh, so you know, so like during like the the back end, of, like when you finished playing, is you know what what stuff did you did you like experiment with stuff? Did you? Like, no, I was lucky, Stephen, because like I boxed before I played rugby league. Yeah, so I. Uh, when I was boxing, I was with Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff, and uh, they did a Warner Brothers did a film called The Power of One, which was uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, John Gielgud <laughs> and uh, Stephen Dorff and James Bond, uh, Daniel Craig. So uh, they were looking for a white heavyweight boxer, and the actual uh, so the actual director of the film was John Avelston, who directed Rocky One, Rocky three and ended up doing Rocky five. So uh Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff used to have a, a money backer called Jarvis Astero who was involved in the film game. And they came to Jarvis and said, We're looking for a white heavyweight to play this South African boxer. Can you think of anybody? And he said, Yeah, we've got one, Adam Fogarty. So they came down the gym and filmed this, you know, sparring and training. And John Avelsden said, Right, you've got the part. Uh we'll send you to a voice coach because you, you know, you're going to be doing a South African accent. And I thought, oh, right, okay. so I had a month and they said, we'll give you a month at this voice coaches and you'd be perfect. You know? So I had to go up first day on this voice coach and the first lines, I didn't have that many lines in this yeah. film, but my first one was, let it be, bro. I had to run in, split Stephen Dorff up and James Bond, Daniel Craig and yeah. stop fighting. And I, used, I had to say to Daniel Craig, let it be, brother, let it be, no more, no more. <laughs> and this voice coach said, yeah, that's not too bad, keep working on that. He gave me a few tips. He says, don't come back. He says, uh, that'll do. He says, don't tell them you're not coming back because neither of us will get paid. He said, and you'll be all right. So, <laughs> I was just, just going to say, what, what sort of stuff did you do with the voice coach? How long did that take? But you just answered, you just answered the question. Yeah, what is it? It were uh, it were funny, really. Like you know, so I ended up on set the first day, and uh, it was filming at a, a private school called Charter House down London, a real expensive private school. And uh, John Avelston said action, and I ran in, and, you know, delivered my lines. Let it be, brother. Let it be, no one. And he said, cut. He says. I don't like it. He says, we're going to have to change those lines. He said, uh, it sounds a bit too much like the Beatles song. He said, we'll come back to this scene. Well, I like a thing. Well, I don't know. I, that's all the thing I've learned. You know, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, I got away with it in the yeah. end. So, so would that be when you got the bug then? That is that when you reckon you first got the bug for it? Yeah. Yeah. It were, uh, you know, like I said, we were filming at this place called Charter House. I mean, it's obviously a South African apartheid film but based around boxing. So there's about 15 other professional boxers there with me. Errol Christie was one of them and uh, a young kid called, uh, who's 
later went on to become Scrap Iron Ryan, the uh, a London, you know, fighter who were full of uh, it were loads of bottle and toughness, like you know. And so we have like two or three weeks with all these lads, you know, we're all professional boxers, like, and you all had to have your own room, and you know, the, the setup were brilliant, you know. So it was just like fun, and and then obviously there's the acting on top of that where you you know. Living a dream, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and Indians. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is do you reckon that's like a a different type of a high? So you've you've been a boxer, you've knocked a few people out, you've um, you've played rugby league, you've been in challenge cups and stuff like that, and and you know you've got a quite a wide range of of highs, I guess, um, and experiences. Um, like, how do you compare them to to what you've been through before? I think I think when you've been a sportsman, you know you, you you can put it in a sort of you get to handle your emotions, don't you, or control your emotions. Like you know, Steve, you've played at Wembley and all these big games you've played in, you know, and you learn how to handle them, don't you, and, and go out and do what you've got to do. And I think that teaches you a great thing for like life in general, and you know, especially in the acting game because there's no. There's no better thing than experience in life, they say. You know, and uh, I think that, like in professional boxing, when I was a professional boxer, you know, learning how to be able to walk to that ring, you know, because I don't care what anyone says, you know, it's a it's a tough game, it's a it's a hard game, uh, but it's it's when you first start walking to that ring, all I couldn't get out of my head was the fact that I didn't want to embarrass myself. Yeah, yeah. I had friends there watching, I had family there watching, I didn't want to wake up on the canvas and be, mm. you know, losing sort of thing. So it's more that at first learning how to walk to the ring and not be thinking about that and, yeah. you know, yeah. sticking to your game plan and and, and winning, you know, earning cost. So uh, I think professional sports teaches you that sort of level-headedness and like I said yesterday, you know, if, you, if you're scared to fall down, don't stand up. I never wanted to stand on the terraces watching as a fan. I always thought, you know, I want to play. Uh, I want to be up there trying to do it. There's no reason why I can't. Only my own attitude, you know. The, you know. So that was my idea. That was my outlook on life. You know, and I was lucky in a way. I was lucky. I trained with some great fighters. I played with some great rugby league players and played against some great rugby league players. So you know, when I look back over it all now, I think, yeah, it's been it's been a, a ride, a great ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I've been lucky. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's it's quite it's quite a feeling. Like like I mentioned to you on the phone uh, yesterday, um, I did like a duologue. I did a duologue for um, about. 10 minutes it might have been and it were at the um, Cardigan Arm so it's just a pub on Kirksville Road um, but they put events on like theatre events and I did like a 10 minute duologue and I played a barman and um, this lad that I met who was he, I'm glad to have met him he's brilliant he's funny as but he's a he's a plasterer and um, but he does he does bits of acting on the side do you know what I mean he's sort of like halfway sort of like trying to get to walk more toward the acting and seeing what he can get with that but he's doing he's been doing a lot of telework and, and some some really good stuff um, so I did it with him um, but I remember this so it's like a theatre night so I remember like the feeling I'm alright going in and, and like a bit nervous talking to people and stuff like that 
Um, and I'd gone in and sat watching the other stuff. And like, obviously, it gets closer and closer. You're thinking, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm soon here. I'm soon. Um, and I remember that the, the feeling I describe it, I was like, I'll compare it to, is I remember, like you saying, playing at Wembley. Um, when I, I played at Wembley when I was 18, I was playing um, at Standoff. And I, I remember um, feeling like the most nervous I've ever felt. I remember going on bus and then getting to the change rooms and just feeling like this sort of like real sort of like physical nervousness, you know, like, like this is going to be big, this. And I related to this last last time that I went and did this duologue, like that sort of like full body nervousness where you're like, right, there's something big coming up, something big coming up. And the only, it's like, there's, it's probably the fight or flight. It's like, I'm sat here. I would think, I can remember thinking this before I went and, and did the piece of acting, thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I not just sat at home and, and like, not even trying to do it. But then I thought, right, no, obviously I've got to do it because otherwise it's the biggest embarrassment ever. So I went and did it and, and we nailed it and I felt absolutely class. And that's probably, like you say, the the bug and, and, and that's the sort of doing that, it sort of made me feel like, well, you know, it's good because I'm a sportsman, felt all these highs, but at least I know that, you know, I can come and... and it's the adrenaline rush, isn't it? It's the adrenaline rush as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think that's, you know, as as sportsmen, professional sportsmen, you know, we've had a a sort of adrenaline rush every weekend when you, you know, come to playing, you know, sort of thing. And uh, once that stops, you know, once that career comes to an end, it's hard to get an adrenaline rush. It's hard to get excited about certain things that, you know, just mainly normal working yeah. people might get excited about someone's told me, you know, an average man probably has a few highs in his uh, every year, like maybe his birthday, maybe his wedding anniversary or stuff like that. Whereas as sportsmen, you're having highs every other week, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that I was lucky with the acting and because... I'm not doing it every week, but there's still a dream there to do it. And I don't know when I'm doing it next. So it's not like everything's come to a stop, mm. you know. Yeah. I still go and, I'm still involved with the rugby and I enjoy that. But it's, uh, you know, it is nice to look back and think, yeah, I was lucky I had a great career. You know, I worked hard for it. Don't get me wrong, nothing like you know in your career. Nothing's handed to you on the plate on the rugby pitch. You know, you just wakes up and taps you with a magic stick and said, you're going to be a, a professional rugby player. You know, you've got to be dedicated and uh, even Some more so now. You know, we thought we were dedicated, but when we look at you lads now, you're all, you know, flying round and fit as whops. You know, yeah. I think we thought we were fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but until you see the other level, you go, fucking hell. Well, it's just well, gone through the roof. It'll happen. It, it, just keeps, it just keeps getting faster, faster. Players keep getting bigger and you never know, mate. You don't know what it's going to look like in, like you say, 10, 20 years. You know, for me, looking ahead, it's um, the game's... The game really is keeps going, and um, we're talking at the moment where it's 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 a lockdown, and we don't know when it's going to start back up again. I'm keeping fit to try and get back sorted for when it comes, but it's just um, you, know, you got to keep on your on your toes. And you, I, exactly. I were always fit. That was one thing that got me in picked. Yeah. I was fit, you know, coming from the boxing, I didn't have much. I want to say I was the talentedest, uh, skillfulest player, but I got in for being fit. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Take some stopping. 
pre-season, pre-season, like, you know, I were... I was quite all right, but then as years went by and years went by and I slowed down, I used to dread pre-season, so I just yeah. kept, you have to keep going, like, yeah. and that were that were nothing like the fitness levels that are around now, so I suppose it's one of them, you either keep on top of it or you, you're going to struggle, aren't you? That's it, mate, you, you, you sort of, like you say, you dread the start of pre-season, so what you have to do so you don't dread it as much is keep training and keep on your toes and keep a little bit fit, because otherwise you, you'll, it's a... Uh, it's a shock that Monday morning first pre-season you'll know mate you'll it's know. funny isn't it it's funny because like I could never really understand obviously how the body acclimatises to it doesn't it you know you play them first three or four games at season you, you're stiff as a board yeah, like yeah, yeah. and then you sort of, your body sort of gets used to the bumps and knocks and I think that were very similar in boxing you know you're sparring and if you haven't sparred for a while, you get little nicks on your eyes, that, that black eyes and stuff like that, that you, you won't get after a while because your body sort of gets used to being knocked down a bit. But that's the good thing. That's the good thing about the acting game, mate. When you do eventually hang your boots up, no one, you know, they'll paint the bruises on you and the cuts and the... Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you're the... I'm glad you enjoyed it, mate. I'm glad you're uh, hooked on it because... Mm. I mean, you're not the only one that's uh, had a go. I mean, I remember going watching JJB in a play in Leeds. Yeah, yeah, JJB's yeah. got the bug as well. Jonesy has, yeah. yeah. And it, it were good. It were a great play. Jonesy um, was singing as well, and I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd get to do any singing. To be honest, mate, I won't, I won't even have a crack at it because I'm that bad. But Jonesy did singing, and and all I remember him. I was just, I was just hoping they wouldn't catch my eye or any of lads' eye because there was full team went to see him. And Jonesy's there acting and going into song and we're like, oh my God, Jonesy. Like, that's, <laughs> if, if you're talking about comfort zones and going out of them, Jonesy's just done that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's people's worst nightmare, isn't it? To be up talking or public speaking or singing yeah. in front of their teammates. That's yeah, why, it's, uh, that's why it's we get new lads to, to sing in front of everyone for uh, initiations. That's the, that's the thing that we get to do and we have done for years and years. A new lad comes in. You get them to sing a song in front of everyone, and then it's like, oh, you can't get much worse than that. Come on, mate, <laughs> you're in team now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't do that. We used to have to take them to the bar and let them get first round in that. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> <laughs> bit more, bit more useful that. <laughs> the thing is, everyone wants to sing. When when everyone's had ten pints, everyone wants to sing. Then on Christmas Day, it's like fucking. Yeah, yeah, everyone thinks they're Elvis all of a sudden, don't yeah, they? Exactly. No, I'll just I'll, I'll just do one more. Shut up over there. I'm just yeah. going to do one more. Listen to this one. <laughs> yeah. Different when you're sober, though, isn't it? Yeah. Closed a few uh, karaoke bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, destroyed them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll t- I mean, I'll I'll turn it back to the acting side of it, mate. Um, to get a bit more info, do you keep up with? Um, I don't know. I don't know what they would be equivalent of. You know, training sessions for an athlete. So, would you be? Would you be going into acting? I don't know, acting training or? Um, I mean, you can do. You can always recite stuff, can't you? Keep, yeah. your memory, keep your memory going. I mean, I fell into it. You know, I didn't go to acting school, and uh, you know, so you were already sort of like on the. Ladder, weren't you? Like, fell onto the ladder and then just lucky, just got lucky. Yeah. You know, they were looking for a heavyweight boxer that you know could play a certain part, and so that was the sort of and it's all about being natural. One thing I would recommend you do is, is get a copy or go online and watch Michael Caine's uh master class, it's called, right. Right. and it teaches you all about film acting. 
you know, because it's different to stage work. I've done about four or five stage plays, and I've all, I've been lucky in, in that fact because I'm not a real I'm not a real lover of stage right. work for the for the simple the commitment that it's you know six days a week, yeah. eight shows eight shows a week. But I've been lucky. Like I worked at the Don Mar in London doing a play called City of Angels, which were a comedy musical. Right. Uh, you know, I've worked in Manchester at the. Uh, at the library theatre doing a, a play there. But it's like that waiting for the curtains to come back every, go back every night. And, you know, it's like you say, it's nerve wracking. It's because yeah. I've not got one of these, I've got to keep going over my lines, you know, and, and sink them in yeah. before. And even though I know I'm off the back of my head, I think it's that bit of nerves, like you say, that, you know, I've, I did a tour with the Northern Broadsides for six months up and down the country doing Shakespeare. And uh, I knew the words, I knew everybody's words because I was scared, you know, yeah. before we even got to rehearsals that, you know, I don't learn things fast. So I uh, I knew everyone's words as well as my own. And this is Shakespeare stuff, which really, I didn't really know what they meant, you yeah, know, until, yeah. until we'd got through rehearsals, so I think. Yeah. And uh, but every night, every night before going on, I go through all my, you know, my words, my scripts, you know, because it's just that second of not concentrating, losing that concentration that, you know, you can you can fluff your lines, sort of thing. And what you know, what seems like minutes or hours in your own heads, a couple of seconds on stage where you might have forgot, you might have forgot a couple of words. Yeah. That, no one in the audience is going to realise you forgot. Your other stage men cast are going to realise you. You miss that bit out, right? But so it is. It's all. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. It's and it's just in a way. You know, I don't get the buzz of being stood up there on stage. I'm not one of these that likes the limelight. Funny yeah. enough, that might sound stupid in a way because you know you want to be an actor, you want to be on stage. But yeah, that doesn't mean you say you're a show off. That just means you like acting the goat, and it doesn't mean. You want everyone to say, oh, look at me, I'm here, you know, because yeah, yeah. I'm not like that, I don't, you know. I like my own pals, my own friends and people I know, but, you know, I think people don't understand that, that you want to be an actor, but you don't want to be, you know, that being bothered about being seen on a stage. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Well, that, that comes into what I'm going to say, like, you know, about... You know, people that imagine that it's the sort of the full-on extroverts or it's the the people that want to go out and drink and sort of socialise all the time and stuff. But, like, you, you're sort of, you're sort of stirred away from that. You stayed to your grounded roots playing, you know, boxing, rugby league. Um, did you ever have opportunity to go over and, and live in America or, or anything like that? Is that something that, that had come up, you know, for instance, to be... Yeah, people never, go over uh, to LA, don't they? And, and yeah, I did go to LA. Funny enough, I did. I uh, I went over there. Vinny invited me out, you know, yeah. and uh, I stayed with Vinny. But the, I got there, and uh, two days after being there, I ended up in uh, intensive care because I've got that deep vein thrombosis with uh, on the plane with pulling embolisms. So I'd been out for a drink one night with Vinny. and the following morning I woke up and my leg looked like it belonged to an elephant. It had really you know, swelled up. But the uh, the funny thing while I'm laid in this spare room at Vinny's house and I shouted through, I said, Vinny, he says, what? I said, you best take me to hospital. I said, my leg, I said, it's not right. I said, it's swollen up like a balloon. 
They said, Vinny shouted back, is it that bad you can't hop to the kitchen and put the kettle on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is like locker, locker room humour, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I ended up going to see the cyanide hospital and uh, Vinny taking me in there. Oh, and oh, yeah, within two minutes... Eh? Not NHS well, there, is it? Uh, luckily, you know, I were insured. You have to be insured out there. But within two minutes, the nurses had scanned me and put me through all these different machines and I were in this little sideboard and these two nurses came in and I, I couldn't help but thinking, I didn't feel poorly, you know, I just had a yeah. swollen leg and a bit of backache and my breathing were a bit, but I weren't poorly. And this nurse says to me, uh, what's your name? I said, Adam Fogarty. She said, uh, right, we've got to ask you a few questions. If your heart stops beating, do you want us to restart it? And I said, yeah, if you're not too busy. You know, I thought, what sort of questions are that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you want us to start your heart? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's meant to be uh, going, isn't it? But the, the thing, I always look back and think it was funny because if I'd have felt poorly, if I'd have felt rough, I'd have probably had a bleeding heart attack when she asked me that, you know. Fucking yeah, yeah. And then I said, to, I said to her, I said, listen, I said, uh, my family don't know I'm in here. I said, should I tell them? And this other nurse pipes up and said, oh, I would if I were you. We had a doctor die at this last week. And <laughs> this is getting better. That's going then, isn't it? They don't let you start it now. It was, it, like I said to you, Steve, if I'd have felt rough or poorly, I'd have probably had an heart attack and been killed over dead. You know what I mean? But I didn't. I felt all right. So I said to her, I said, you're a Jove, right, Jove's, uh, what is it? Jove's comforter, aren't you? And they both looked at me as if I'd sworn, you know, I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're full of good news, you know. You do. Oh, right, well, we've got to tell you, you know. And then, you know, so, Vinnie, like, you know, he's... Completely is, he, is he on-looking, Vinnie Jones on-looking this, all it, this? Yeah, well, what is it? He, he comes back up, like, ten minutes later and says, anyway, we've had some good news, Mouse. He says, uh, oh, that's what the doctor said to me. He says, uh, with a bit of luck, we might be able to save your leg. And I said, all oh, right. So he goes out, then Vinny comes back in, says, uh, Mouse, good news. He says, uh, they think they might be able to save your leg, but if not, he says, I've got someone who uh, wants to buy your slippers. <laughs> 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 you know, so all that black humour. Yeah. You know, but that was me uh, extinct in Hollywood. The only place I got to was uh, A&E. Flipping heck. And then, so, is that just from the flight then? That yeah, 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 yeah. Were, uh, apparently so. Uh but like I say, you know, I just had a pain in the back of my leg. It's, you know, it weren't, it weren't that, uh, I weren't pooler. You know, yeah. I didn't do it pooler. But uh, so it's, you did, back, it's funny, isn't it? No, no acting roles, just a flipping trip to no, and, no, and then, yeah. uh, madness, madness. What What is it like? What's Vinnie Jones like then? Is that, does that, I'm just thinking in terms of Vinnie Jones's his past experience. So we've played football and you've been a sportsman yourself. It's sort of a bit of a, you know, you got you got your own sort of like, um, well, you got your own cohort there, aren't you? So on similarities, yeah, and well, stuff like similar that. backgrounds, aren't you? You know, yeah. I mean, once you're sportsman in team sports, I think you know you've been in it from a young man. It teaches you how to behave, done it around mm. around groups of fellas, and you know, it's what is it? You know, not to uh, be too smart or stand out and. You just want to be liked. Well, that's how I always thought. You know, I want to be liked. You want to be a part of the team, and you don't want to be a come across as a show off. Yeah. And I think everyone, you know, sort of gets that. Uh, most people that in team sports. With, with that, um, it's good to it's good to have that connection. Um, 
Who do you reckon you've learned from the most? Like, um, this could be in in sport, this could be in acting, a bit of both. Who do you reckon you've, you've learned from? Um, the most? On, the, on the acting from, I try and learn from everyone I work with, mm. you know, because I didn't go to acting school, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I look here, you know, I work with, not Tom Hardy, I did like that uh, legend film. And yeah. The craze. And one oh, thing that right. stood out with Tom was what a great actor he was, obviously. But one, the first scene that I had with him was stood at a bar, and he said, "Right, let's run the lines." And there's me and another actor from uh, uh, from Peaky Blinders, who one of the big stars of Peaky Blinders, and Tom. And he said, "Right, let's run the lines." And he just started talking these lines, and the other actors talking. His am chipping in with mine when it's needed. And then he said, "Right, okay, All right, everyone happy?" So yeah, yeah. He said, right, let's start throwing the extras in. The extras in. I thought, what does he mean? And it like all of a sudden, then he started putting movements in. You know, as he's like on bar, like getting a fag out. Yeah. At point. And yeah. Because, you know, with uh, film acting, as when you watch that Michael Caine video, everything you do has got to be repeated exactly so that when they come to editing it, you know, if you take your glasses off yeah. saying, yeah. hello, You've got to do that every time. Hello, yeah. you know. The same time you take your glasses off, otherwise they can't do the long shots and the short shots. Because uh, you know. so they break it all up, don't they? I've got I've got a bit of experience with, with the cameras because uh, we're going to do a documentary. Um, but it's like almost that's that you do a documentary or you see a documentary on television. You think it's all like at the same time, everything's shot at the same time. But they'll tell you to stop, and then they'll tell you to like nod your head. When there's someone taking a long shot, there's someone taking a close up, and they might be you might have to do this thing three or four times because they wanted to get in different angles and get in between. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, obviously, that's just doing a documentary and presenting. But I imagine it's similar when you're on set, is it? Where, where well, is, that's to... the part. That's the, that's one of the main parts about acting as well is that they can edit it all together. It's no good if you say like you know if I'm taking my glasses off and I say I'm taking my glasses off and I take them off. Yeah. You've got to hit the line where, you know, you're reaching for your glasses at that same time. You're taking them off and delivering the dialogue. So it's a bit, so that they can edit it from a long way where if they're doing a long shot or a short shot. And so, but that's what the, the point I'm making about Tom was, I'd never heard anyone say that before, like coming into a scene, like let's add the extra bits now. Yeah. And, what, what does it mean? And then all of a sudden it, 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 it said a word or a line, then he got a fag out of his packet. So he's he's doing the sort of physical bits, matching That's up with the yeah, adding yeah. the physical bits to it that he's going to do every time. Then when he actually comes to taking the shot, and that was a great learning tip yeah. for me. Yeah, he he plays quite diverse. Well, he plays two brothers in that, doesn't he? Two yeah, brothers, brothers, yeah. So it's twins, he? Yeah. So he plays quite, a, yeah, he's quite a diverse kind of guy in that. Did you see all these diverse things how we were trying to portray, you know, both both different twins? Yeah, yeah, well, you couldn't, you couldn't help but, you know, because his costume, you had to do everything twice in the film. You know, you had to do it yeah, from when he was yeah. the side of Ronnie and then he'd stop and then he'd go get changed and uh, come back as uh, Reggie, mm. you know, and you had, which, you know, you had to, so you had to do everything twice. Took some time, but, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he had an earpiece. He had a hidden earpiece so that obviously when he's playing Reggie, he can't deliver Ronnie's lines. Mm. So he had this earpiece that would deliver Ronnie's lines. 
yeah, yeah. and pretend you're pretending that he's there. Yeah. So that you know that was a, a great learning experience. I mean, there's a part on the uh, Michael Caine video. You have to hit marks on a set, you know. So if I walk in and I have to walk up to the bar, the cameras will be set up where they're going to film you in a certain position. So you have to hit that same position every time, which, you know, can be hard to do. But Michael Caine talks you through that, like, you know, just do it in reverse. So you walk back four steps or five steps. So then when you're walking in, you can just count in head one, two, three, four, boom, and you hit the mark. But until someone teaches you, that stuff. I presume this is what they go and learn in, in film school and yeah. you know. But I'll, I'll look at I'll look at you to just learn that from from the top. Do you know what I mean? To to be in that yeah, situation. Yeah. Learning that. And that yeah. video that I recommend to Michael Caine's masterclass is brilliant, Steve, because yeah. it'll teach you a hell of a lot of things you don't even think about, you know, as watching a film or as a layman going into acting, you know, it just uh, gives you a real good insight that it is like any sport or it's an art and, you know, the more you learn and the more you can condense, yeah. the better. Yeah, I'm a, I'll have to have a look at it, mate. And we've got a bit of time, haven't we, now? I'll, I'll be watching Michael Caine Masterclass and try to listen to some stuff in these next well, two you'll, weeks. You'll be talking like, you'll be talking like, <laughs> yeah. all I said. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll, we'll get a voice, I'm going to have to get a, a voice coach as well, like you. See if he'll, see if he'll do a bit with me. Um, but it is all exciting isn't it you know it's something new and it's something that you know I think you know if you can act you've just got to be lucky you've just yeah. got to get lucky I'll um, I'll send you um, I'll send you someone recorded the, the, the clips of, of when I did it I've not put it out yet you'll have to, you'll have to sit, tell me if it's alright to, to put out or not you have of, course to, it's, of course it's alright it's either going to be it's either going to be very good or it's going to be crap, but then the best thing is, if it is crap, you know you can only get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Don't want to be too good yet, do I? Listen, I've, I've always said, it, you know, when I do get the jobs and that, you know, you go for the interviews and you get, you know, hopefully you get a call back and they say you've got the job or whatever. But then you you can relax a bit because that's the hard part, you know. Yeah. The fun that's part it. then begins doing it and, you know, and then seeing it when it comes out. That's it, mate. What? What? I'll, I guess just a few questions to ask you. Um, what's What's your favourite sort of bit that you've done? Um, so I want to ask you, what's your favourite um, bit of acting that you've done, or bit of acting you've been involved in? Um, and then I'll ask you what your favourite part is from across your expansive um, three careers, I guess. Yeah, the uh, my favourite acting job. It's hard. I mean, like doing Snatch was great because it were all the same cast and crew that had done Lockstock. So they were quite, you know, they were quite a good crack on set, you know, people having a laugh and a joke. And then going from that on to Mean Machine were great because it were all the same, uh, one or two of the same cast, but all the same camera people yeah, and scenes cool. people. So they were great, you know, fun. I think, you know, the personally-wise, acting-wise, the best film... For me, the part I played it was a film called Greenfingers with Helen Mirren and Clive Owen, where I play a, I'm one of the main leads alongside Clive Owen and Helen Mirren and David oh, Kelly. When I'm playing this life, a prisoner, a prisoner playing who's been in prison for life but gets made to garden. And, uh, you know, I had great fun making that, but the film I thought was very good because it's loosely based on a true story about prison gardeners yeah. and how they get... Uh, 
how they escape being behind bars, really, when they're coming to end a life sentence is by, you know, taking up gardening or they get made to garden and fall in love with it. So that were an un- quite unlucky film because that came out about a week before 7-Eleven, you know, the Twin Tower job. So it didn't really, obviously no one went to the pictures to see it and it just got sort of washed yeah. to one side and, you know, the sadness uh-huh. of it. But uh, so that was probably the best film part of that. The biggest film I've been involved in would have been Snatch for the, the you know, how the hype and everything. Yeah. Now, I've answered that first question. I forgot what the second question was. Yeah. <laughs> second. <laughs> could, it, could be the, it could be the same answer. I don't know yet. Um, but your sort of favourite part of um, of your boxing, rugby league. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. What's your favourite sort of... I loved I loved being playing rugby league, you know, because I had 20-odd 20 20 odd mates to to hang around with and yeah. you know, train with and grow up with in a way, you know, you, you think you're, you think you're grown up at the time, but now I'm older and 51, you know, you're still growing up in a way and yeah, still, yeah. you know, but yeah, you know, not that I ever want to grow up. I don't, and that's another thing about acting. I don't think we do as far as do. I don't think we ever really grow up. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed playing rugby with all the lads. Boxing was a lonely sport. You know, it's a tough spot. I lived uh, down London, which, you know, we've been away from home, I found out. I'm going to say it's a different, completely different environment, it? boxing and training on your own compared to rugby league. You know, you have a gym, you have people in the same gym, but I don't think you, you become great friends. You might do it, like I were a heavyweight, obviously, and I were in the gym, Terry Lawless's gym, where Gary Mason was a British champ and, you know... Uh, I don't think you be, you know, when you're sparring and hitting each other and stuff, I don't think you become great mates, you know, because there is that bit of, not niggle, but you want to be better than them. And, yeah. you know, it's not like you're sparring in the morning and then going out at night, you know. It's, no. it, well, I found it lonely. I found it a hard, lonely slog in London, you know. That's probably because of what I was doing there. I was dedicated to what I was doing and just how it was. But, uh, and, and, and how was that? That movement into rugby league. Then how, how did that look? Like how did that? I come from a family, you know, from my dad who were a professional rugby league player. Steve, he, he toured in with Great Britain in uh, I think the '64 round Australia and New Zealand. He played for Halifax and Wigan and, and Rochdale. And uh, so I, I grew up around rugby league, you know, in the as a kid. You know, I was lucky because all of a sudden back then, you know, players used to take the kids training sometimes, you know if they didn't have a babysitters or whatever. So every now and then, you know, you'd be playing with other players' kids at training or on match days. It weren't watching the rugby. It were just running around back at stands and having fun with yeah. other players' kids. So it was sort of my family background playing rugby league and uh, that's how right. I, you know, I played rugby at school and growing. Yeah. So it was done. Did you just end up just getting in touch with someone and just yeah, say, I went well, to Halifax. I'm going to try and this out. Contract yeah. with Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff, and they wanted me to sign another three year contract when I already had 15 months still to go. And uh, so I thought I'll have 15 months off and come back to it. But all of a sudden, I signed at Halifax. I like, you know, I had 20 minutes, like I say, to trip with and yeah, fun, yeah. And, you know, every weekend. And them were the days where, you know, I think you still got to enjoy your career. I mean, you lads are that fit now and that dedicated, and you have to be that 
I don't know how much enjoyment you get out, but the good thing about it is you've never known any different. So, I mean, when I started playing at Halifax, you trained Tuesday night, Thursday night, a quick run through Saturday morning, play Sunday, then you were out on, on the town Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you could even... Yeah. It was like a... That was like a training session, wasn't it, back then? Yeah, you know, that sort of, you, you could even make a, an attempt to go out Monday night if you kept it quiet, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you, lads, you straight in the gym, aren't you? Straight back on physio table or in pool or something, you know. So it was enjoyable. Yeah. No Monday it was nights, enjoyable mate. still, you know. Class, that's class, mate. I've um, I've really enjoyed talking to no, you. It's, I'm it's glad you've. Uh, I'm glad we've done it, Stevie. It's uh, it's great yeah. to talk to you as well, pal. And good luck with the rest of your career, mate. Send me that video. Give me some pointers, mate. You have to give me some. It's not quite Shakespeare, but yeah, you'll give me some some pointers and that and let me know and I might I might put it out because people will, will be that bored and might be forced to watch it yeah no it's what is it it's, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is does it you've done it it's you know something you can look back on and say listen this is what I like when I was started or it might be brilliant or I might be thinking you've got a good chance mate you've got a good chance it's yeah. uh, been as natural as possible pal and I've always said you better be lucky in this game than good because you know, I never went to acting school and there's a lot of people that did put the hard yards in and went to acting school and put the hours of practice in but just didn't get the breaks. So, like I said, I've been lucky, you know, and better off being lucky than good sometimes. That's true, that's true. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll try to get a bit of both, but we'll see, my mate. Um, cheers, Foggy, for talking to me. I'll send you them videos across, mate, and I'm sure this will yeah. be out in the next few weeks. I look forward to seeing them, pal, and good luck with everything, Stephen. Hopefully we'll all be here. Uh, out from under lockdown soon I know cheers Foggy see you mate before you get off guys check out the stuff that we've got going on at mentalityapparel.com and if you ever want to support us go over to patreon.com forward slash mentality that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash mentality you can support us in any capacity there but also you can join the mentality club and really get involved and get amongst it and go towards making change, making big change. Cheers, guys. See you on the next one.